My husband and I have spent the better part of the last 19 years helping people stay stay married. And really, part of the reason that we did that was because we wanted to help them work through their stuff together and learn how to grow together. So our first reason was that we really wanted, um, or we really understood that kids needed their mom and their dad. But second, we realized that it was better for everyone if husbands and wives stayed together. Most of the people that we helped were military couples, and that's mostly because that's who we were around. Now, I saw a lot of brokenness in the way that the military saw marriage. A very common statement was, well, if the army wanted you to to get married, they would have issued you a wife. And that was kind of the attitude that so many of the soldiers would take because, you know, when that's told to them all the time, that's what they end up internalizing and thinking. And so I also saw how often affairs happen during deployments or um, annual trainings or whatever. And so my husband and I walked alongside a lot of different couples. We weathered middle of the night phone calls. We we uh, <laughs> couples coming to us in tears and a whole lot of long mentoring sessions. Now, marriage mentoring takes a lot of time and a whole lot of energy. And when we started getting worn out, we started to kind of look at our time and start trying to figure out how we could prioritize, how we could work smarter rather than harder. And what we realized was that we were putting a whole lot of energy, but because we were doing it for free, basically it had no value to people. So we realized that we really needed to start having money attached to the mentoring, but we really didn't know how to do that. But, you know, at the same time, we also recognized that that couples weren't always taking our advice because, well, they didn't have any skin in the game, if you will. Now, there were a few couples that would take our advice and not take it for granted, excuse me, but most people did take us for granted. It was really not about the money for us. We're very content people. We don't need or want anything, you know, a big house or fancy things, but we do want to live a mobile lifestyle. And, you know, I want to be in Montana because this is where my grandkids are. And, but the winters as we get older is they're starting to be really, well, I don't like them so much. (laughs) Um, We're both ready to trade in our skis for our snorkel. You are listening to the Moms Mixed Family Blender podcast. My name is Brenda Baker. My husband Mike and I have been married 23 years. We have five boys. My husband served two two tours to Iraq. We have four grandkids and we're a mixed family. I am the founder of Moms Mixed Family Blender, author of Helping Others Helps Me, And I am passionate about using my stories to help teach you how to thrive in whatever situation you find yourself in. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. So I have a story for you, and I I hope that all of this kind of makes you understand the title of today's episode. Um, And 
So today's title is Why I Do What I Do. Now, I know before I had told you guys that I would be recording the next podcast on when your mistakes affect your kids, but then I realized that I really need to reintroduce myself and, re- and retell you kind of another piece of my story, because if you understand me, then you can understand where I'm coming from, and I can teach you along the way too. So here we go. So from the very first time that I can even remember, I had an innate desire to want to lead people. Now, part of that was because I'm a bossy only child um, and I would boss around my cousins and I would tell my friends what their animal was going to say and what they were going to do and all of that. So I was a typical only child, but I never remember wanting to lead people for power or for reasons that were, you know, not going to going to be good. I really wanted to lead people because that was one of the only places I felt truly alive. And I always pictured myself helping people. To me, helping people is an extension of your heart. It, it lends your heart to other people when they're beaten and or bruised by people's words or actions. And I'll never forget the pivotal moment in my life when I was just outside the classroom of the disabled kids' room where I was also in the room, <laughs> or I, I, that was where I did my schooling as well. And I was standing waiting for the teacher to take us to the bus and go to the Special Olympics track and field meet. Now, the disabled uh, kids' room only had two teachers, And I vividly remember how excited all the disabled kids were. They were screeching and screaming out of sheer joy to get to participate in such a prestigious event. And boy, did they think it was prestigious. It was the highlight of their year for some of them because we had, there was many different age groups in that room. So from the hall, it sounded like a mass murder was taking place. There was so much screaming that I remember the principal walking down the hall to see how the teachers were faring. The kids sounded like a pack of coyotes. I had been in the room long enough that I knew how loud the kids could get when they got excited. <laughs> so I w- that was also the reason that I was standing outside the classroom. And my teachers kind of let me do things like that because, well, I was a normal kid and I was in the room with all these disabled kids. So my job at the track and field event was a hugger. And one of the teachers told me that I was handpicked to be a hugger because I was good at motivating the kids and I helped them to push themselves and give their all. So that was way back, okay? Now, at the event, I remember Julie. She was my favorite. (laughs) Julie was my assigned person. It was my job to help Julie get to the places that she was supposed to get to on time. And I remember just before this event, my my dad gave me my first watch. Because my my dad was the one that gave it to me, I, I have the watch still today. It doesn't work and it hasn't in a really long time. But it was a Timex. And at the time, that was a major... Ooh, crazy, awesome thing, you know, and it had a white band. And I remember the boys at school asking me if it was my dummy watch. (laughs) And it really hurt my feelings, but I chose not to care. Now, my dad told me that the watch fit me, so it was my favorite thing regardless of what the boys said. 
As I stood there at the end of the track, I remember waiting for Julie, and I remember thinking that someday I would be able to help people get get past their own fears. I planned to be someone else's hero. I had helped so many people cross the finish line and get their well-deserved hug that I figured that eventually that's what I would do in, you know, in my adult life too. And I also remember thinking, man, why are people so mean? You know, why are these kids so mean to me? Why do they say so many bad, terrible things about these disabled kids? They can't help it. They didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, really, I think deep down, all of us want to do good and be good and, and be someone's hugger. Now, somewhere along the road, I forgot about my goal to help others and to lead them to overcome their own mistakes or choices and be their personal best. And honestly, I'll admit that because I didn't feel like a hero, I made stupid choices as I got older, like marrying an abusive man, having a baby with that man, and ending up divorced by the time I was 21. (laughs) I was pretty young to be divorced with a baby and be a single parent. (laughs) Now, because of what other people said to me, I remember questioning the choices that I made every single time. It didn't matter what it was. I felt like I sucked. I was depressed most of the time. I felt worthless. Excuse me. I didn't feel like I deserved any better. And I I didn't believe that I would ever, ever be better than that. And I remember thinking about committing suicide to end my pain. Now, obviously, I never even tried because I, you know, that was just a fleeting thought. And it was just in my pain, I realized that that was what I was thinking and it was wrong and whatever. So obviously, I had never even tried, but it was a thought that I thought a couple of different times. Now, the desire was still somewhere within me because. I had, you know, to serve people because I had one of the hardest jobs that there is. I worked as an aide in a nursing home. And if you've ever been in a nursing home <laughs> and smell some of the things you smell and uh, see some of the things you see, yeah, it's a hard job. It's a really hard job. But part of the reason that I chose to be an aide was because I loved my grandparents and they were just the highlight of my my life. Not that my parents were bad people, because they weren't. But, um, you know, I had a really, really close relationship, especially with the grandparents that lived in the hometown. Um, my other grandparents lived about five hours away, so I wasn't as close to them, but I, I really, really cared about all of them. And so at that nursing home, I ended up meeting a great guy, and I married him. Now, Although I began to thrive in a lot of different ways, there were several key areas that I didn't. It was kind of like there was an invisible wall in my way, one that I couldn't get over and I couldn't go around because I couldn't see it. And so I stayed there, still stuck in a few key areas of my life. And I'll never forget when I realized that helping others with their messes was what was helping me to overcome as well. If nothing else, it made me realize that in my hard times, I would overcome and move forward and begin to thrive, and it wasn't really going to be that hard. So helping others helped me, okay? 
When I finished writing my book, Helping Others Helps Me, I realized that there was so much more that I could offer. My breakthrough didn't just work for me, it actually had worked for others. So I began planning a program to help women in bite-sized chunks be able to move forward and begin thriving quickly. I can't begin to tell you how many times I almost gave up. I had a huge amount of debt. Um, I had more outgo than income. I had things to keep, or I had things keep breaking at my duplex. There were some problems in our family that were painful, but I kept going. I knew that I could use my stories to help others learn how to thrive. So far, not only has it helped my, my life and my outlook to change, but I'm also able to let things go quickly. You know, the best part about that is I don't hold on to things and I don't stress like I used to. I'm able to move forward when negative things happen and I don't internalize things like I used to. It's, you know, honestly, I'm free of guilt and regret because I've learned how to be. <laughs> um, plus, I've been able to affect the lives of so many women. I get messages all the time from women thanking me for helping them. I'm finally able to impart this nugget of wisdom. Thriving women bring up thriving families. So if you're not currently a part of my community, I would highly, highly encourage you to go, the, uh, to go and do that now. Go to momsmixfamilyblender.com and wait for the pop-up and then follow the steps to join the community. Not only will you get a free ebook as a gift, but you will also be the first to know how to get started on my program to begin your journey to thriving. And really, that kind of wraps it up because that really tells you why I do what I do. So that's it for today's episode. And like I said, next episode, um, I will be talking about, this time I promise, about when your mistakes affect your kids. So tune in next time and I'll be giving those tips and I am so, so thankful that you spent this time listening to my podcast. Um, if you enjoy it or you feel like someone else would benefit from hearing this, please don't, don't, uh, don't hesitate to share it or uh, even to leave me a, a comment or whatever. So I look forward to talking to you again and we'll see you then. All right. Bye.